0: Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Erica Zeal. Erica is a mom of three, an FDN practitioner, a certified personal trainer and Pilates instructor, a health and nutrition coach, and a core exercise and pre- and postnatal exercise specialist, whose mission is to help women live a healthier life and heal their body through movement, wellness, intuition, and breath work. She's morphed her education with her constant findings of research and hands-on approach to teaching female clients. Erica is passionate about education surrounding wellness and taking a holistic approach to healing our bodies. She wants to inspire women to regain not only hope, but experience true, life-lasting results. Erica is the founder and creator of Core Athletica, the Core Rehab Program, Knocked Up Fitness Prenatal Membership, Instruction Trainer Courses, and the host of the Core Connections Podcast. She believes that anything you want to improve about your health and life, you can. In the episode, Erica shares how deep core and pelvic floor strengthening can improve things like back and knee pain, why Kegels don't work, what we should be doing instead of Kegels, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, which is dry farm wines. If you're a wine lover like me, but haven't made the switch to natural wines, you're going to want to listen up. Alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post ingredients or nutrition facts on their bottles, which is how they're able to sneak in sugar and other additives. Fortunately, Dry Farm Wines has come to the rescue. Their natural wines are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free, lower in sulfites and alcohol, and free from all industrial additives. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wines, even the most expensive conventional wines give me headaches and just make me feel overall gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, you're going to be immediately hooked by the flavor and quality of their products, as well as their top-notch customer service. To get a bottle of Dry Farm Wines for just a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash the health investment, or just click through the link in the show notes. And one final thing, if you've been on a weight loss roller coaster for years, trying everything from keto to Weight Watchers to Noom to exercising a ton, but nothing has worked, I'm so happy we've connected. Outside of hosting this podcast, I help health-motivated individuals lose 5 to 50 pounds for the last time through simple habit and mindset shifts. Unlike diets, apps, and programs that can compromise your physical and mental well-being, and suck the fun out of life, I help you make small, gradual tweaks to your nutrition, lifestyle, and outlook so you can drop those pesky pounds for good without giving up carbs, counting every calorie, eating clean 24-7, or other nonsense. If you're ready to cross lose weight off that to-do list and start showing up as the trimmest, healthiest, most confident, most energized version of yourself, learn more about my programs at thehealthinvestment.com. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I always love hearing from you. All right, it's time to hear from Erica. Enjoy. Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no nonsense, research backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long term, have the high energy you crave and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Erica. Thanks for joining me on the Health Investment Podcast.
1: Thank you, Brooke, so much for having me. I can't wait to get our conversation going.
0: <laughs> Same. Yeah. I uh, I know a lot of my listeners have... Had kids either recently or in the past, um, and every listener has a pelvic floor, right? So, yep. <laughs> I think I'm excited to dive into this topic. And you know, even if you're not a female or even if you haven't had children, um, just kind of learn how to optimize our pelvic floor health. I think something that's not talked about a lot,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's great, even for men, and so many times men don't realize that they too have a pelvic floor. Um, You know, anatomy is a little different, but um, everything, well, I say everything, a lot of what I teach really can apply to anyone, male, female, you know, mom, not a mom. It doesn't really matter.
0: Right. I know you use the term deep core. Is that the Mm -hmm. same thing as pelvic floor? Oh, great question.
1: Okay. Yeah, let's start off and I'll explain that. So when I'm talking about the deep core, um it involves it includes your pelvic floor so if we um are thinking of our deep core it the base of it which is the base of our pelvis which is our pelvic floor And it includes everything from there all the way up, um, you know, the muscles deep along our spine, the abdominal wall, which includes the muscles as well as the fascia through the abdominal wall, our diaphragm, all the way up, you know, the intercostals through our ribs, um, all the way up underneath our shoulder blades. And so it's really everything in our torso, essentially, but like the deeper layers. Because when we think, you know, a lot of times I say the word core, people think I'm talking about their abs, like doing crunches and oblique work and their six pack. And like, that's a part of our core. Yes. Um, And so when I say deep core, I'm really meaning like the deeper layers, um, because when we really can understand that part of our body and our anatomy, like you just, your results go through the roof. It's amazing.
0: Okay. So glad, glad to clear that up. So the pelvic floor is a part of The deep core, which is a vast region. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, okay. So then I would love to know what led you to become uh, a deep core exercise specialist in the first place.
1: Okay. Well, I will try to keep this long story super summed up. So, you know, the first part for me was as a child, I had like just crazy knee pain not probably every night, but a lot of nights. And it started at age five and the doctors kept saying it was growing pains, growing pains, growing pains. Okay, fine. Um, but by the time I was 17, I was still having it. And I had been done growing three years before that. Um, my mom finally ended up taking me up to the Mayo Clinic um, in Rochester, Minnesota to see you know a specialist. And what they ended up concluding was like, you need to strengthen your legs. And I was like, I was like, So simple, like, like to me, I was like, that's such a novel idea. Like no one prior to that in the previous 12 years, obviously, maybe when I was five, they weren't thinking about that. Right. But, you know, in my early teen years, you would have thought maybe like, I don't know. (laughs) And so anyway, that was like the first piece that I swear is what, what sent me down this path of doing everything that I do. Um, And obviously it's kind of morphed and evolved over the years, but that's then propelled me to go study exercise science in college. And through that, you know, I learned so much about the body movements, um, and really got to experience firsthand as well as personal training and working with clients, the, the magic that we can heal our body through movement. And I did. And by the time I was 21, I rehabilitated my knees. I was finally pain-free for the first time in my entire life. Hmm. Um, and yeah, and then I went on, moved to Southern California, studied Pilates, which I was like is a whole nother degree. Right. Um, everything on the equipment from beginner to advanced and just fell in love, um, to a whole deeper level with movement and our core training. Um, and then, you know, at the time too, I was working with pregnant women. This was before I even was thinking about having, you know, kids of my own and really loved, um, loved working with pregnant women because it's just such a fun, magical time in life. And I noticed that there was, and I had done a lot of research in college too, that there was so much that pregnant women could do that would help her, you know, prepare her for pregnancy, for birth, for postpartum recovery, and then, you know, having three kids of my own and just working with so many incredible women of all ages from, and men as well, um, from teenagers up to, you know, men and women in their seventies. So I worked with, have just worked with so many amazing um, people over my almost 20 year career. And just kept learning one thing after the other. And I just really started evolving to want to understand more about fascia and our deep core. Um, I don't know. This was probably at least 10 years ago. And really sort of looking outside the box, meaning I got out of the fitness, like, And a cookie cutter learning. And I was like, I need to learn from other people, learn from other avenues because we're missing this in our fitness, in our movement practice, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I was noticing what I was teaching and kind of evolving into my own methods We were getting such amazing results with clients, like, you know, getting rid of back pain. Um, My clients didn't have pelvic floor problems. They weren't peeing their pants like a lot of women were. Um, You know, there's so many things um, that, you know, I was initially on this mission to like help women to like know that they can move and they can work out and not have pain and then... Then, like I see, like the pelvic floor found me. <laughs> Brooke, mm. it was one of those where I didn't really go searching for, like, oh, what was the pelvic floor? I don't know. If I ever had that question one day. It was more that it found me through my my continue like need for learning and knowledge, and you know, one thing led to the next, and uh, just really started. Um, you know, understanding even more, like how does breath affects our core and our pelvic floor? How does the movement that we're doing? How is our posture? How are all these things that we're doing throughout our day, whether it's our workout programs, or it's our movement, or it's our breathing, um, what we're eating, our digestion, all of these things have a positive or negative effect on our deep core, which also impacts our pelvic floor. (laughs)
0: Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Um, so I guess, I, like you said, so many things, back pain, there's so many things connected. How would somebody know if the pain they're having in their body is connected to some issue with their deep core or their pelvic floor?
1: Um, I would say unless you've had a traumatic injury, car accident, something like that, um, I like to say like pretty much hundred percent of people have yeah. it's revolved. Because I mean, I've worked with so many people today. And like if you were to walk in, even work with me one-on-one or do it on in my online core rehab program, whichever it is, and you're like, I have back pain. I'm like, okay, great. Well, let's work on it. I'm not gonna dress your back. Hmm. I'm not gonna do it. If you have neck pain, I'm not gonna address your neck. Not in the beginning anyway, because we have to look at what is the function of our deep core, what is happening with our pelvic floor, what is happening with our pelvis. What is our posture like? A lot of people have back pain just because they have not great posture. Um, A lot of, well, women and men do this as well. Like they tuck their butt a lot, and it may be because you've been taught that in a bar class or um, you know another fitness class because that's a common cue, and that leads to a lot of back pain. And it also shuts off our pelvic floor, so we cannot have a tucked pelvis, a tucked booty, um, and have proper pelvic floor activation. And it can lead to pain and dysfunction um, from the pelvic floor, through the back, up into the neck even, Um, believe it or not, right? Like many times where we feel pain is many times actually not where the pain is being caused from. So we have to look at oppositions in the body. So again, if it's back pain, I'm like, okay, well, we have to look at your pelvis because your hips might be in misalignment, but we can go all day long to a chiropractor and that can be helpful. And I support that a hundred percent, but we have to also be working to rebalance our body through movement, through breath work, through becoming more connected and in tune with our body. Um, because many times, you know, we are really tight on one side of our pelvis, pelvic floor, leg, and the other side is a little weaker. And then we get this like, kind of, you know, tug of war that's going on in our pelvis, which it causes a lot of SI joint pain and can cause a lot of low back pain. It can go all the way up to cause shoulder pain or, you know, neck pain, um, jaw misalignment. Like I've experienced that even. um, And it was crazy the first time it happened. I was like, I know it's not my jaw. I know it's my pelvis, right? Because I when I travel, like I know my body, I cannot sit too much. And when I travel, which we do a lot, because my kids are in like oodles of sports. And I'm always like, okay, you have to stay up with your movement practice and your deep core training when I travel. And as soon as I get home, I got to get back on it to rebalance my own body through my movement work that I teach everybody, um, because it'll keep things balanced. And it's really cool that we all have this power that we can learn how to basically rebalance um, and strengthen our body in the right way that leads to just amazing, an amazing quality of life.
0: Yeah. When you said the word posture, I feel like anytime somebody says the word posture, everybody kind of sits up straighter and (laughs) tries to adjust it. And here I am in my seat thinking, oh no, am I tucking my butt or what am I doing wrong? Probably so many things. Um, But I really, as you're speaking, I'm just thinking it's so unfortunate that we really only hear, or I guess I do, about strengthening the pelvic floor and pelvic floor health when maybe somebody is pregnant or in postpartum. Is that what you experience as well? That that's generally when people talk about that.
1: Um, I would say yes and no. I think it's becoming, it's getting talked about more. Um, I've talked about it in this realm for so long. Like I say, the word pelvic floor, like it's the word the, you know, like. And some people will look at me when I say the word pelvic floor, like I said a cuss word, and I'm like, you guys, it's just our anatomy. Like it's really okay to say that, and it's really okay (laughs) to get really comfortable with our pelvic floor and understand that it is like, I believe it's one of the most important areas of our body just to understand, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't just, you know, and here's the biggest, I think, misconception with our pelvic floor is it doesn't just function as a standalone, right? Um, The musculature down there, all the flares of fascia, um, but it really works best when combined with the entire deep core, when understanding you know, the strength or lack thereof in our pelvis and our glutes and our inner thighs and our hamstrings because we can't just go you know and address our pelvic floor function on its own. I mean, that can be fine to do and go work with a pelvic floor specialist to get internal feedback and do all of that that can be very helpful. So I never discourage women from doing that. I think it can be very beneficial, but um I also what I tend to teach more of is how it's all interconnected um, and so. Pregnancy is a really common time that women start to have, um, you know, incontinence, the peeing of the pants, right? You've got pressure of baby sitting on your pelvic floor. It's when our posture really starts to shift. We get a lot of butt tucking um, during pregnancy. It doesn't, but we don't have to get these crazy postural shifts when we're aware of them. And then, of course, you know, postpartum, right? If a woman delivers vaginally, she, you know, it's more assumed that she's going to have more pelvic floor problems than a woman who delivers via a a C-section. And that's actually not true. (laughs) Mm. So, Mm. um, and you don't have to have a baby to have, um, to have pelvic floor dysfunction. You know, I actually see a lot of women, see a lot of women who join, um, in my core rehab, they actually, they're, they're, not necessarily I would say athletes, I do have athletes for sure, but they are women who want to stay active. They've worked out quite a bit in their life and they're now dealing with, you know, peeing their pants, whether it's just occasional when they laugh or sneeze, or it happens when they run every single time or when they lift weights or jump or whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. Um, and I always say like, that's, that's your body communicating with you. That's like, Hey, down here, like trying to get your attention, To slow down, and it's time to make a change, so that we can really, you know, move through our life and our day and our workouts, and be strengthening our body versus actually causing harm. Which, if you're pain during your workouts, ladies, it's just it's not going to get better unless you do something about it.
0: Well, and I think so many things we just kind of accept as, oh, this is just because I had a baby or I'm aging, and maybe just think that that's the way it's always going to be and there's no solution to it. Yeah. And then other people will probably share, oh yeah, that happens to me too. So then it becomes normalized and it's like, well, this is just something I now have to deal with. But what I'm hearing is it's not, <laughs> it doesn't have yeah. to be something that you deal with forever.
1: It absolutely does not. And again, it, it is, it's something that we have normalized as a society, like, oh honey, you had a couple of babies. That's normal. Cross your legs when you sneeze. And, you know, I, I always tell women that like, don't accept that because if you don't do something about it, um, it's going to only get worse. It's going to lead to, can lead to other dysfunction and it can lead to pelvic organ prolapse for women, which is when, you know, our uterus can slide down and through our vagina. And then you get women that get that little like bulging feeling and they're like, what is that? You know, and so I like to talk about that to bring awareness to it. Never, I'm, I never talk about anything to scare women, but women don't know that that can happen to them until it happens to them and um, because we don't talk about it, right? And so that's yeah. why I get so passionate about, ladies, if you're peeing your pants even at all, like that is a sign that like there's healing potential there for you. So we can prevent so many things later on in life because I've worked with women post hysterectomy because of pelvic organ prolapse. And they are just so sad when they start to learn like, oh my gosh, if I had only known this, Mm. you know, that there was something I could have done. I could have prevented a hysterectomy because ladies hysterectomies don't necessarily solve the problem um, of pelvic organ prolapse. Um, And I've asked uh, OBGYNs about this and um, they're like, yeah, I mean, obviously your uterus is no longer there. But now we, our whole tensegrity and tension inside the pelvis has shifted. So we still could have, you know, intestines that start to protrude out or our bladder, just different things. And I know it's kind of like TMI and all that, but I feel like if we don't talk about it, um, the women don't know about it.
0: Yeah. Is it? So there you could get to a point where it's too late, but let's say a woman had a baby. 15 years ago and didn't do anything to kind of strengthen her public floor then is it too late now or can you always kind of start to do things to improve?
1: Well, I always say it's never too late because there's there's zero, (laughs) there is zero harm in trying. There is zero harm in trying. And we have women, you know, I always, I, I say like, when women follow core rehab the way it's intended to do, and you take your time and you slow down and you really learn, you really embrace learning something new. That's what a lot of what I teach is like, we have to get the mentality of go hard, go hard, go home. And like, we want results yesterday like that. We have to table all those thoughts Um, because this is like a whole new way that will help you to become more in touch with your body. Um, And so when you do start to slow down and you start to improve your breath connection with your deep core with your pelvic floor like it's only going to get better from there. and so even if you have incontinence like I see a hundred percent of that going away with women. Again I don't can't give an exact timeline because everyone's bodies are different um, and with pelvic organ prolapsing if anyone is struggling with that um, and again that's a harder thing to measure but we do time and time again hear amazing symptom improvement from women. Mm. And, you know, if, if that's, if that's the best that we can get, that's still incredible um, because we can at least prolong things a long time and hopefully, hopefully even prevent surgery long-term if that's something that you would like to prevent.
0: Mm, Okay. Aside from incontinence, what are some of the other messages your body might be sending you to scream kind of, you need to work on strengthening your pelvic floor or your deep core?
1: I say pain in the body in Just general, any pain. because, okay. yeah, because it all, again, like I said, if you were to come to me with back pain or hip pain or even neck pain, right? Like the first thing I teach everybody is I want to see what their pelvis can do, right? I'm going to look mm. at their pelvis, look at our alignment in our pelvis, because that sets up a lot of what is on top of it you know? Um, and so that's how the pelvic floor gets involved in everything. Um, and the deep core and right again, for optimal pelvic floor activation, we have to learn how to connect all the way through our core, right? We're not just doing a Kegel and pulling our connecting our pelvic floor. Um, I actually don't like that word because when, when women think about doing a kegel or kegel, however you want to say it, I still don't know what's the actual <laughs> right way of saying that, um, <laughs> is that it, it can lead to I see that it can lead to imbalances of the pelvic floor, right? So we're it tends to get women to overactivate maybe the front of the pelvic floor or just in proper activation, um, because it's not addressing the entire pelvic floor, which runs from our pubic bone all the way back to basically the tailbone and then sits bone to sits bone. So it's quite large of an area. Um, and so would we have to understand that, okay, we're not just trying to like stop that flow of urine, right. Or even just like pull up a tampon or whatever it might be. Um, which ladies, if you're still practicing stopping the flow of urine, please stop doing that. Cause we don't, no one needs more UTIs, right. Cause that can lead to um, bacterial, um, backup in our bladder. So we need to like stop doing that. <laughs> um, so I just say table that word because you, I want you all to start thinking about your pelvic floor as your pelvic floor, not about doing a Kegel. Cause it's like a brain thing that like wiring is so strong. It's really hard to like learn anyway, way. And your body just can't constantly wants to go back to that old way of doing a Kegel. So instead, you really want to think of your pelvic floor as like, I explained as like a diamond shape, right? Those four points, pubic bone to tailbone, sits bone to sits bone. And we start thinking about those four points and drawing them together lightly and then all the way up through our torso, through the top of our head. So it's like almost visualizing this like, you know, diamond at the base, drawing together, and then you're lengthening all the way up. So we're involving so much more than just our pelvic floor to get proper pelvic floor activation it's like this entire capsule of our deep core and breath work is or breath plays a powerful role in this as well
0: okay well I definitely want to tackle that but back to the kegel kegel whatever that is that the most common exercise you would say that women try and that doesn't actually work or are there other common ones out there that you wish people would stop doing as well
1: that's the main one that I know of. I'm sure there's other ones. Um, and, and, you know, I see women in general, I would say the feedback I get is more women tend to have too tight of pelvic floors. Um, mm. So it's not always about strengthening them. It's about strengthening them in the right way, to have the right balance. So sometimes I actually find myself teaching them more about releasing, like let's relax through our pelvis, relax through our pelvic floor. Um, and when we can actually start to find that relaxation feeling, then she can actually learn how to strengthen and connect in like the in the proper way in the proper way. So she's not gripping her pelvic floor muscles. And a common thing, ladies, that happens that will indicate to you that you grip your pelvic floor is um, one, if you feel really tight, like on the inside of your hips. um, But a really common one that's easy to spot is if you tuck your butt a lot and you notice every time you want to try to activate your pelvic floor, you squeeze your butt muscles. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's really common. So if you're squeezing your glutes while you're trying to activate your pelvic floor, you're just you're not actually activating your pelvic floor for the most part. You are most likely just trying to like – your body's trying to cheat, um, which the body loves to do. The body's really good yeah. at cheating, so we have to learn to like how to override it.
0: <laughs> so if there were an exercise that you would recommend for everyone or maybe even two to start doing today to replace Kegels, what would those be?
1: I love teaching pelvic tilts. So it basically if you want to think of it this way, so you would lay – on a mat or on your floor, you can do this on your bed too. Um, and just bend your knees to so your feet or fly. Like you, it's like the setup for doing a crunch, but we're not doing crunches. I'm not a fan of doing lots of crunches. Um, and so what you're then doing is we're just going to tilt our pelvis back and forth. Right. But we're going to do it with breath work to help to stimulate and activate, um, our pelvic floor as well as on like releasing. So we do this like kind of back and forth rocking of our pelvis And what it does is it's really good brain training. And that's what a lot of this is, right? It's really just retraining our brain how to strengthen correctly our pelvic floor, which for some of you, that's going to be how to release a little bit more. Um, And so if when doing a pelvic tilt, ladies, you notice that you like clench your glutes, like that tells you, oh, okay, I've been cheating. No big deal. Like, don't be hard on yourself. Like give yourself grace and be like, I'm learning something new. So when I teach women this, like it's one of those where you have to be just like start practicing it, know that you're not going to probably be doing it right the first, you know, week or so. But the more you practice it, the more you'll start to feel like, oh, wow, I have really been really tight on the right side of my pelvis and my left side hasn't even been working well enough. And maybe that's why like my sacrum hurts all the time or my low back hurts and just starting to understand more about what's going on with your body or maybe you haven't been able to activate your pelvic floor and this is going to be a way to help you to do that. Maybe you're too tight and this is going to be a good way to help you release that. So it gets, it gets people and men can do this as well. It gets people in this position where we're not using a lot of muscle activation to do the work. It's a lot of breath work to stimulate that rocking of the pelvis to activate the deeper layers. And I find it to be a really like, it's almost so simple that if you find yourself feeling like, I feel absolutely nothing, you're not doing it right. Right. This is where it becomes really like a lot of what I teach is like, we got to slow it down. We got to break it down. Um, the way that I cue and teach people to do these things is like, okay, well, I've done those before, but I've never done it like this, where maybe a lot of people are like, yeah, I've done these before, but I've always used my glutes and hamstrings to jam my low back into the mat instead of, okay, let's actually do it with what is my breath doing? What do I want to be happening? You know, um, and it's really amazing how much feedback it'll give it will give back to your body.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because you mentioned it's kind of you're in the position maybe where you would do a typical abdominal crunch. So maybe when you're in that position, you're used to kind of clenching up and, you know, trying to keep your core tight. So it's the opposite then of training yourself in this position. It's not always to be clenching everything. It's more of just kind of getting in, doing the tilt and then kind of releasing, would you say, or just kind yeah. of feeling? Yep. Not doing a
1: being yeah, it's like a combination of on the inhale, you want to work to like relax more and arch the back. And as you exhale, we want to lightly connect internally. And lightly is a really key word, you guys. So um, I can't emphasize enough. And when I teach, I like to use a percentage basis. So something that can help all of you in the beginning is instantly think, okay, I'm going to strengthen or activate like 50% of what I would typically want to do. And sometimes I even have to get my clients down to be like, okay, now do 25% of what you would typically do. And it's a good brain thing to get your brain to like, okay, stop clenching, to like tell your muscles, right? Stop overactivating, And that's, that's the biggest thing that shuts off the deep layers of the core, shuts off the pelvic floor is when we're gripping in our muscles, like gripping in our obliques, gripping in our glutes. Um, And it's hard because we've been taught for so long, like squeeze harder, you know, (laughs) squeeze Mm -hmm. harder. And I basically teach you the opposite of that, but it's really fabulous when you start to teach your body these things, how to – Activate the deeper layers, strengthen the deeper layers, become taller, have more space between your bones, which is amazing if anyone gets any nervy stuff going on, right? It's just, we need more space, more space for those nerves. Um, And then you do your other, you know, more high intensity workouts, your strength workouts, you go for a run or whatever it might be. Like you actually end up feeling so much stronger and able to do more. But many times it takes us stepping back for a period of time, learning new ways of, moving our body um, and then getting back. Cause my whole goal is if someone wants to like continue running as long as they possibly can for life, like I want that for them. Mm-hmm. But if we're having pain and dysfunction, you know, or fill in the blank with whatever the workout is or activity, like I want you to be able to do that. Right. Because we know there's a huge correlation in quality of life, um, longevity and our mobility. Right. And it sounds crazy sometimes for people who are younger to think like their mobility, but I mean, Okay, I've been doing this for 20 years. It's amazing how many 20-something-year-olds, 30-something-year-olds already have so much pain and dysfunction going on in the body, um, possibly because of injuries from, you know, when they were teenagers even, right? And they never got rehabilitated really the correct way or weren't really... Or they just kind of stayed in this mentality of go hard or go home. Um, But I just see time and time again, it ends up leading to a lot of pain and dysfunction. And then that's where I come in and teach people how to basically relearn how to move their body. And it sounds crazy, but it is absolutely amazing that we just need to relearn how to hold our body, relearn how to breathe, relearn how to do things that we've never really even been taught how to do before because people just didn't know.
0: Yeah. I have heard, I used to be a runner, um, but I have horrible feet and that's a whole other story, but I'm no longer a runner. Uh, But I do remember I would sometimes get injured or whatever. And then I would hear I should do more strength training to make it so that I can run better and not get injured. And it just kind of felt like this Like I didn't want to do strength training at the time. I wanted just to run, but it seems so critical, especially like you're saying, if you're a runner and you love it and you want to be able to run for the long-term, it seems like you absolutely have to focus on the strength you're talking about and even, you know, the typical strength training exercises.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in our hips, um, for women and for men, um, men tend to have smaller pelvises, right. And women, we can tend to have bigger, um, hips and, or if you're like me and have a really tiny pelvis as well, which those all can bring about different things, um, that we need to just be aware of and work on strengthening and balancing them out. Like one thing that women don't do enough of is lateral work for the hips. And so I see time and time again, right. Knee pain, um, really is from our our hips because a lot of times women's knees tend to ha- have a tendency to want to like roll in a little bit um because we don't have strong enough lateral hip stabilizers so like you know laying on the mat and doing little sideline leg lifts right but my big pet peeve with that is like everyone that not everyone okay a majority of people that teach those out there and I see doing them they do them wrong they're doing them and all they're doing is cranking on their hip flexors and their TFL which I mean, come on. We sit so much. We do need no more strengthening for our TFLs and our hip Wait, flexors. Wait, what's?
0: Sorry, what's a TFL?
1: So okay, so if we're if you're sitting right now, like anyone, everyone yeah. who's listening, if you're sitting, like put your fingers like right at the crease of the front of your pelvis. So uh-huh. right in the middle is more your hip flexors, right? Um, and then if you go out a little bit, just kind of to like an angle of the front of the hip, that's where your TFL lies. To be not super anatomic, you know, like not over the top, but to simplify the that thought about that and so when you're doing you know a sideline leg exercise like it's just a standard pilates one um like so many people i see them they're lift their leg way too high and or their hips are opened a lot and so then they're just feeling it in that that front of their hip crease which again we do not need more of that cuz we get a lot of tightening and shortening from sitting so much So we've got to really work to reach through our heel and roll our pelvis forward and really get um, the side of our hip, the side of our glute. um, And kind of, I always feel like like the kind of edge of the butt smile. Like if you're ladies, like if you take your hands right now, put your hands on the side of your hips and you kind of just slide them slightly down and back a little bit. And so you kind of feel that like hugging of like that part of your butt. Does that make a little sense, Brooke? That's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to explain. Yeah, Yeah, so like that's a big area for women and for men, but again, I work notoriously with a lot of women and I, I see that that is notoriously really weak for women. So whether you're a runner or you're not, um, we need to do more lateral hip stabilizing and that can actually help your pelvic floor, right? Because you, if you're really weak on the outer side of your hips, um, then we might be too tight on the inside of our hips because our body's trying to compensate to keep us upright. And you know. And so if we can start to understand like, oh, wow, maybe I'm really weak on both of my outside of my hips um, and I need to work to strengthen that more, or maybe one is really tight and the other one's really weak and we just have to start to learn more about our body. And then we can start to do that and we can start to You know, realize like, oh, okay, I need to be doing these exercises. Like, maybe you need to do them every day for a while. And I look at strengthening and movement as like, okay, yes, I know there's like the whole periodization and, you know, high reps and low reps and like all that. Like, for me, I kind of like, not that that can't be important and good, that's great, but that tends to not apply as much in my world because I want you to do the movement so that you feel the right area working. I don't want someone just to do 10 sideline leg lifts and the whole time she felt it in her hip flexor. I'm like, no, that was absolutely a bad move for your body. (laughs) So we need to get you in the right position and move really slow and really, I mean, sometimes these ladies are moving literally an inch. She's like, Erica, I feel it, but I'm barely moving. Great, keep doing that until it gets stronger and your range will increase. But we have to get out of this like, big ranges of motion. And like, there's, there's a time and a place for it. And that's my goal is to get people to have bigger ranges of motion. But if we're doing big ranges of motion and deep squats and big, crazy side lying leg lifts and all this stuff, and we're not feeling it in the right places and we're not feeling the right muscles activating, then that actually can be leading to our dysfunction, to our pain. Um, so we got to slow it down. We got to decrease our range of motion so that we get the right muscles to work. Um, and then it's amazing what how that can change your life and how your body feels.
0: Let's say somebody is involved in strength training, myself, <laughs> maybe listeners as well. Is one thing Then you would recommend like you just said, to slow things down and be sure you're really feeling each exercise in the right place? Is that a place to start so that you're just not doing things super fast and incorrectly?
1: Uh, Yeah, you should do that with everything. Slow down. Okay. yeah, like, you know, when I see people with the weights, like just throwing around bicep curls, I'm like, I mean, it's usually more the men, right? But uh, <laughs> I'm like, that weight is way too heavy for you because you're like using your low back to crank that weight. So it really comes down to like, how, yeah, do you feel your core working a little bit? Can you feel your pelvic floor a little bit? Um, you know, are you standing with a tucked butt to stand there and do bicep curls over? You know, shoulder presses. Um, squats a really good example, ladies. Like you should be, you need to be able to do an unweighted squat with the correct form, without tucking your butt, with getting a little bit of a light deep core activation, which means you should feel your low belly. You should feel a light connection of your pelvic floor. Feel your hamstrings, feel your quads, and not and the underside of your glutes. Like you want to feel this nice balance and connection through your legs. Um, doing it unweighted before you ever stack weight to it. So I challenge all of you if you lift weights. I lift weights too. I love it. Um, but it's amazing how sometimes we actually like put the weight aside for a second. Maybe your first set of your squats next time you work out, you're going to do them just unweighted. And I like teaching them – with um to warm everything up to do pulses Mm so you do really small controlled like it's not a bounce it's just a fluid pulse so you're working and controlling that squat on the way down working to control it part way up so you you keep your muscles on and activated and then on the next set go add your weight to it and oh my gosh you will be so sore the next day yeah (laughs) like in a good way but you'll be like well, I maybe need to like either next time you might need to drop your weight or maybe you need to do less reps, right like so there's just so many things that we that we can improve our our workouts and our strength training that just can really blow you, blow you out you know, just make it so much more effective for you. That's where I'm at the effect effective is the right word for that,
0: yeah. Do you really enjoy, then, bar type of classes? Because I know they do slower, smaller movements and a lot of repetitions of those.
1: Um, Okay, I don't love bar in general, number one, because usually they're telling you to tuck your butt and suck your belly to your spine. And those are my two Uh, pet peeve cues. (laughs) Okay. Um, That said, I do... I do know people can teach bar fine. Um, and so it's sometimes it's one of those things where you go into a bar class knowing, okay, even when the instructor tells me to tuck my butt and suck my belly to my spine, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep my pelvis more neutral, even slight anterior, which means women, we need to have a little arch in our low back and you'll feel your pelvic floor more. Um, and then you want to lengthen upward the whole, like all the time. Um, and that can really make your workouts effective. And I'm not, I'm not sold on necessarily high reps. It's more Mm. of, I want you to feel it in the right area. That to me, and the right muscles working that to me is way more important. Cause like I said, if you're doing like, you know, just a, you know, a simple exercise, such as like, um, you know, the sideline lay lifts again, like if you're doing 30 of those, but you're pulling on your hip flexor, it's actually, could be contributing to pain because you're not working the right muscles and like if you're doing a a bar ballet squat and your butt is tucked the whole time that could be leading to shutting off your pelvic floor and leading to back pain um and so and I know it's something like in the dance world right it's taught a lot to tuck your pelvis um and I work with those women and I work to just teach them we work to untuck the pelvis and um you know it's amazing how it changes (laughs) changes their life really, because now they're like, wow, my pain is going away.
0: Yeah. Do you find that for a lot of women, when they decide to embrace more strength training done properly, it is better for their deep core and pelvic floor than doing a bunch of cardio? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm not anti-cardio. I think it's great. I think with cardio... Um I am not a lover of cardio myself. It's kind of one of those things. I like to go walk. Like I'm a nature person. Like send me out in a forest, by a <laughs> pond, by the water and I will go walk for a long time. And I think it's like it does two things for me. Walking I think is under like is undervalued. I think walking is so awesome for your pelvis, for your pelvic floor. It keeps your hips mobile and open. So don't ladies underrate walking. It's really powerful, especially when you learn how to walk correctly. Like I teach a walking tutorial in my core rehab program mm. and it's amazing, Brooke, the amount of women that are like, Erica, I have been walking wrong my whole life. Like that mm. like five minute video I have or something, is like, was like earth shattering to them. And, um, you know, and so I break it down. I mean, it's still silly, like breaking down walking. You're like, we've been walking since I was one, but no one ever really taught you how to walk, right? As You know, mm-hmm. so it's funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have, I think it's one of those things where uh, women, as we age, I think strengthening, you know, there's a balance of course, right? I think strengthening your body needs to be in your life it has to be a part of it because as we age, we lose muscle mass and all of that. And if we want to be strong and have a you know, as good a quality of life and health um, as, we, as we can and keep doing the active things, we have to have some sort of strength routine in our life. Whether you go to the gym and lift weights or not, or whether you're like learning from what I'm teaching and I do like short 10 to 15 minute lifestyle workouts, all like Pilates infused and with a deep core as the the foundation, right? Like it, it doesn't matter. It's like finding something for you that really works. Um, and if you're someone who loves to go for a run, like that's great. As long as it, you are doing the other strengthening components so that you don't start having problems. Um, mm-hmm. or like a spin bike at home can be a great way. Like that's what I like to do to get those little interval training, get my heart rate up because I have just like, as much as I try to run, um, I have just recognized it is. Something that does not fit well for my body, um, I'd rather go do sprint training, you know, and mm-hmm. and really, you know, get my muscles um, strong because you are going to work your muscles more when you're doing interval sprint cardio versus like long distance running. Um, and so, you know, it's it's finding something that works for you. I do think everyone needs some element of cardio in their life because it is obviously important for our, our heart health. And that's why um, in one of my programs I teach like. I teach HIIT workouts. They're 10 minutes, right? And But I do them in a way that I love offering modifications for women because I always want you to feel empowered and never feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do that harder exercise. So this is just too much for me. Like I never want women to feel that way. So I might offer a squat jump in one of the exercises, but as an alternative, I'm going to offer her, instead of doing the jump part, you're going to lift your heels and you're still going to get your heart rate up and you're still going to get a good core workout, right? So it's always about like finding the right level for you and your body that is right for you right now. Um, and it's amazing how you actually will get stronger quicker, even when you're modifying things, because that's what your body needs sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then we're actually strengthening the right muscles. We're getting the core stronger, the deep core stronger in the right way to then, you know, continue just slowly ramping up with time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful for everything you've shared. I feel like I've had pelvic floor 101 today. I've learned so much myself, so I know listeners probably feel the same way. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment?
1: I mean, I think it's like the most important thing in your life. Hmm. Because if you
0: don't have your health,
1: you know, it's... um... For me, I mean, I've been a health geek my whole life. Probably because I've had so many health problems, Um, you know. And uh, you know, but I guess I look at it as like I feel grateful for those experiences, even when they weren't fun, um, because now I get to work to help change so many, so many more lives um, as Mm. well. And it's helped set me down a road of becoming healthier. So I think it really is the most important. And then you can share it with your spouse, your kids, you know, those around you.
0: Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Where (laughs) can listeners follow and find you? And I know you've mentioned a couple of your courses. So where can they get all that good stuff?
1: Yeah. So you can find uh, more out about what I do on my website. It's ericaziel.com. And I spell my last name Z I E L. Um, and I always invite everyone, you know, if you have questions, reach out to me on Instagram at ericaziel. Um, I love answering uh, messages in there. Um, and yeah, I also have a free pelvic floor guide for you guys, because I know I've talked a lot about it. And a lot of you're like, okay, well, I kind of get it, but not really. <laughs> yeah, like me. So, um, so yeah, so you can find that that on my website. It's just ericaziel.com forward slash pelvic floor, all one word. And it's just a one, um, you can sign up for it's free. It's just a one page, um, guide breaking down how to strengthen your pelvic floor with the breath and all the little cues that I talk about and some extra tips and things there. So I know that's really helpful for women um, because you'll be able to be like, okay, I can actually look at the words and like kind of process it. And then I know, um, I think that next day or two, I also send you a video to like the pelvic tilts that I was talking about. Um, so yes, yeah, so you could just, will get a chance to experience a little bit more of my cueing and my teaching and um, all that fun stuff. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can't wait to go download that myself right when we (laughs) log off. Uh, But just thank you so, so much, Erica, for being here with me today and sharing your time with us and your knowledge. And we all look forward to staying connected with you off air. Thank you so much, Brooke.
1: This has been so great to chat with you.
0: Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet